Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the MSC Performance Podcast with me, Mark Coulson, and today I'm joined by Mr. Luke Rogers. How are you, Luke? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Excellent. You did that thing again. It started really loud, and then you started to get quiet quiet and quieter. And I'm but I'm like Max when uh, when when we did the interview for uh, Max Craven when he uh, when he uh, got the job here. We did a practical assessment, and uh, that was one of the funny things about his uh, his performance was the the change of volume of his voice. Wasn't He's it? known it was, for his uh, volume changes. Was hilarious. Um, yeah, but nonetheless, I'm very good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, everything's good. Um, training well, work is good. Yeah, how are you? Fantastic. Yeah, very much looking forward to uh, our social tomorrow. Um, so celebrating our eighth birthday, MSC. Um, so uh, nice little social plans down in Digbeth uh, for the members. Hoping for a good turnout and um, you know guaranteed good times isn't it MSC social is always good and uh, can't, can't quite believe it's been been eight years I was just thinking then what if, if you had to say what's one of your like favourite stories from the last eight years of MSC like what what's and if something that stands out <laughs> oh mate uh, do you know what Metcon Games always stands out like I think that's always a, a really good thing and like when we've had in house competitions uh, is something that immediately springs to mind in terms of like when that when when those are going on you're just looking at it thinking yeah we're like we're a great facility like we've done good bits um you know good like-minded people getting stuck in doing good work hitting pds like that that stands out yeah. to, to me a lot and the socials actually like just the, like maybe not one particular story but like just the amount of people that turn up yeah the, the community side of that i was thinking of um like similar things i think it was uh, we did the the halloween social it was after the halloween metcon which was amazing but then how <laughs> everyone caught covid and uh <laughs> it was just carnage yeah. but uh yeah same idea i think like the always been the socials always been like the mini competitions i think we've had some really good ones over the year and uh they just seem to get big, bigger and better so Hopefully we can finish the year with another good Metcon Games, potentially another Christmas-themed uh, yeah. max-out deadlift or something like that would be cool. I think the Metcon Games is just going to get bigger and bigger. Like, it's going to become, like, I don't know, a proper... Uh, like, it's a proper event already, but yeah. I don't know. I think you're going to see people, like, joining, working towards the Metcon Games. Like, it's more of a... I don't know. Like a, just a bigger, bigger event, bigger thing. More people wanting to do it, which means we're going to have to look at the way we run it and make it a proper day. And yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of exciting. But awesome. Yeah, looking forward to uh, to that. Um, and yeah, MSC's bouncing at the moment. Class is busy. Again, Metcon especially going really well. So should we crack on with what we want to talk about today? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, with uh, one for the Metconners, one for the Metconners, um, maybe <laughs> uh, one, one for uh, one for definitely our, for the lifters, and def- definitely, definitely for, for the lifters, sport. definitely for the lifters. Um, so the subject is based around uh, post activation potentiation, um, otherwise known as PAP, and there's this is a subject that's been very popular for the last 10, 15, 15 years. Uh, it's gone a bit quiet in the last few years, but we've come across a couple of good articles recently, yeah. and it's an area that I think we're both quite experienced with. So it'd be good yeah. to divulge. It'd be that. good to we can talk about a couple of different like um, how it applies to different sports, how it applies to different people, what you can get out of it, and kind of like the practical applications. But I think a good starting point is what actually is PAP. Yes. 
Mark, so, please, uh, please. <laughs> over to me. Please. Well, considering I did this for my uh, dissertation in, uh, in my masters, I should be uh, quite well, uh, yeah. quite quite well clued up. Um, so, post-activation potentiation is essentially, um, to put it simply, going from a heavy movement into a lighter movement and can also be worked the other way around. So the idea is that you're stimulating the nervous system for um, one particular action and following that up with something that is basically the opposite. And a simple example would be a heavy back squat into a vertical jump or a counter movement jump. So um, the idea is that you're replicating a very, very similar movement pattern. So you do a heavy squat um, you rest for a certain amount of time, which we'll go into later, and then you perform a jump as an example. So it's a, it's a biomechanically, it's a similar movement, bend at the knees, bend at the hips, uh, vertical movement where you're jumping up. And the idea <clears> is that the central nervous system is stimulated from doing the heavy weight. Um, so it's stimulated for that movement pattern, but against the res like moving against the resistance. So recruiting high threshold motor units like working in that in that same pattern but there's no resistance there obviously with a jump but the nervous system still kind of tricked yeah. into thinking that there, there is essentially um what was your uh, so what was actually your dissertation on obviously was Pat, but what did you specifically look into and if you can remember the findings be interesting uh, to know yeah it was yeah it was really interesting we actually used it with um like isometric work we were doing like isometric mid-thigh rack pulls um so uh that was like quite quite interesting into like into like vertical jumps and then we also like compared with back squats uh into into vertical jumps as well um and we were looking at uh funny enough rest times which we're nice we'll, we'll delve into uh to delve into today um so there was we did it in a group so there were six or seven of us all looking into post-activation potentiation but some were looking into like some you know we'd all get the data together some people were looking into like taking different times. things out of it yeah, yeah. etc et so yeah it's kind of interesting and it's um it's a way of training i've always uh really really liked really enjoyed uh, with numerous benefits i think what like mike said about like the different studies that are coming out now is um like people have used this and applied this to to lots of different things like sprinters um even team sports you see it um, but it's really like coming to its own in the last couple of years about powerlifting so it's really interesting to like people that are just strength training and kind of how that can apply and I think one of the good things about PAP is you know a lot of times all this research comes out and it's really hard to, to apply it but this is like a really low risk potential reward thing that doesn't need any equipment it doesn't need anything special to do it just needs you to be in the gym like mark said it's you're mimicking the same kind of pattern so it's quite an easy thing to, to implement it's yeah. definitely something that i think everyone should play around with and most people are in strength training so really cool to, to delve into the the details 100%, with it. yeah as you've said in terms of like the origins of it it's quite an old like it's quite an old thing uh, it's been around for decades um research wise it's only been sort of the last 10-15 years where I've really looked into the benefits of it but it's an old like Eastern European like Soviet type type method where a lot of uh, weightlifters from you know Bulgaria from Russia in the 70s 80s would, would use techniques with like heavy back squat into plyometrics um, you know especially in like weightlifting obviously the importance of being strong powerful and like very fast very quick um, so they would often superset even like heavy snatches um, <clears throat> And the heavy back squats, back squats obviously works well because it's high load um, into like box jumps, vert jumps, squat jumps, etc. Um, so you said that about supersetting, 
would you say like that was like a direct like straight into one movement yeah. while now maybe that's kind of evolved a little bit into slightly longer rests yeah 100 percent. that's where like if you look at um there's a there's a guy and his uh you, you might see he, like repost some of his stuff like once a year or so but uh an older shot putter called Werner gunther who's like just the best athlete i've ever seen like in terms of his training um so like he would do absolutely mental like like ridiculously heavy back squats or like used to do like really heavy Cossack squats and things like that into like lateral bounds and you watch his training is from like the 70s uh, 70s 80s and he's doing like yeah the heavy back squat into like hurdle jumps and he's like doing plyos where he's jumping yeah, up, yeah, yeah, up yeah, the stadium yeah, like up the side yeah. and he's an absolute monster he's a big um, lad as well isn't he yeah well that's the thing he's like 6 foot 9 or something and like 150 kilo, yeah. 140 kilos and he's rapid like just yeah, yeah, yeah. in terms of all round athleticism like probably the best like I've ever seen um, so yeah he used to do all of those amazing things but if you're being critical like you'd look back and he, he wouldn't rest like he would go like it was an amazing training still but like it was ahead it? of its time it was ahead now, of its time yeah. but now you'd look back and probably implement the rest because what he, what he would do is do that heavy back squat and then literally drop the bar off his back go straight into the jumps 10 15 like plyometrics back to back so it was unbelievable stuff but like it yeah it, it was maybe not optimal and i'm always wary of saying things like that because he's a world-class athlete and i'm not but like yeah it, sure. it probably wasn't quite optimal if like he was doing it now with everything else you knew you'd maybe be doing the heavy exercise and having a little yeah. bit more rest which will yeah so it's more like a contrast kind of style training it, exactly yeah yeah but yeah, it was essentially contrast without getting like probably the full benefits yeah. of, of path, but still getting an amazing train, training stimulus, clearly. Uh, one of my favorite exercises to watch people do heavy is like a Cossack. Yeah. I think it's so, because you watch everyone like, I do Cossacks and so, with like a 16 kilo kettlebell. Oh, so when you see someone yeah. with a bar on the back doing like 100 or Mate, something like that, it's like, ridiculous. It's literally like full range. Full range. It's unreal, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, very impressive. So, so back then it was very much seen as kind of like contrast. You're going heavy to speed, the right idea. So, what should we should we delve into the research and kind of what you found in your dissertation as well, and then also have a look at like what's coming out. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, we well, first of all, we found that to put it simply, it worked. Um, so, the basic data was okay. Like, let's say we did mid thigh pulls and we did back squats and it was like let's use back squats as an example it's mainly what we're going to be talking about today but um it was like it worked um so you know guys would uh, guys would come in we'd get some data of just pure pure vert jumps um you know one week another week we'd be adding the adding the, the back squat um i think we were around 80 to 85 percent of one rep max uh for maybe double uh, so it's triple. low volume, high volume. It's still fairly. Fa- there's no like fatigue, really. Pretty, pretty high intensity. They were field athletes, so you know, um, it's enough intensity. Um, and yeah, like the the results were were significant. Like it was, it was a significant increase in in vertical jump performance, which was was fascinating. We had some guys resting um, for sub three minutes. Um, we had some guys post 10 minutes yeah and we had you know most most timings in between um and yeah like the key indicator was that you know the, the rest is an important aspect um you know the guys you know when we when they were doing under under three minutes um the recovery wasn't significant and the next session when they would do it with the the, the three minutes plus then you know there was like yeah i mean there was like literally 
anywhere from like 10 to like 30% like difference, if I remember rightly. It was uh, quite significant. Alternatively, the guys that rested too long would also get diminishing returns. Like they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't perform either. So the sweet spot and the research backs this up is, you know, it's very vague, but between three and 10 minutes um, has always been seen as like, you know, where you want to be. Um, I know you've come across, you know, some research recently that suggests around eight minutes, I think. Um, so we can maybe, you know, talk about that a little bit. But uh, yeah, really interesting, really interesting results. And the thing is with that, what, what I like about it is, is that, like I said, you don't need any, any fancy equipment. It would give you an exposure to doing the heavyweight anyway. And even if you, it had no improvement, but it was, it was just the same kind of, you're able to produce the most amount of speed, the same kind of vertical jump, but you've got a heavy squatting. That's probably still of a net positive. Mm. But the fact that even if it could give you like an extra like, you know, 5% or an extra 3% to your vertical jump, that's massive. Over yeah. time, that really does start to add up. And the risk to reward ratio of it is pretty high. But I think what people start to look at now is that individualization of it so rather than giving someone a blanket 90% for two it's going to look very different depending on kind of your your leverages depending on your strength profiles and everything like that like 90% for you as a taller athlete compared to 90% for me it's going to be very different yours will probably be a little bit harder so it's just kind of now learning what's going to be best for you and that's something that you'll adjust over time but I think it's really interesting I think it's something that people should definitely play around with I guess now with like um we should, yeah, with, uh, with with modern strength training, it's really common to see people doing a top set and then doing the working sets after it. Back-offs, yeah. Um, yeah, your back-offs. And I think there's a couple of mistakes that people make there, which kind of links into the, the post-activation potentiation. So the bigger one is people like really overshooting the top sets and then taking their back-off sets way too easy or having to reduce the work as a result. Um, so like, let's say you meant to have a triple, uh, I don't know, seven RPE. So you meant to do like a hard triple, but a few reps in reserve. That triple, if you did it at a true seven, similar to the pulse activation, the end of your back offsets could have like a, a small benefit from it. Or again, it's not going to take too much away from it. But if you did a triple at 10 RPE or nine RPE and the fatigue's a little bit higher, it's going to really take away from them back offsets. And then long term over time, that's going to have like a net negative for the amount of volume that you accumulate in, the amount of intensity that you're working at. So your, your training response is going to be worse. Um, and that's kind of with the the post activation potentiation study that we're going to talk about um they individualized like the the 85 percent. so everyone did 85 percent, but then they used a velocity drop to decide well to, to compare like the results on the on the amount of reps performed oh sorry on the velocity of the counter jump um and like the the biggest response was the when they stopped after a 5% velocity drop, which is a very small amount of fatigue. It's probably going to be a couple of reps, maybe three reps at 85% before you'd stop. Compared to a 20% drop-off, which would be you're starting to almost grind out your reps, that would have a, a negative effect on, on the next exercise. So it seems that keeping the top set fairly fresh is the key to getting the result, and that's literally what you said as well. Yeah, exactly, so, yeah. yeah. Both in terms of the, the amount of time that you're resting for and also the amount of reps that you're performing as well. So it, like you said, it was eight minutes where they noticed the biggest result. They tried it with 10 seconds straight after. So like that guy would have done, what was his name? So Gunther. Werner Gunther. Gunther. What a name. Big Gunther on the, pretty much doing like a superset. Yeah. No, no, no positive from it because there's going to be that little bit of fatigue. Yeah. Uh, four minutes is probably a touch too close, but eight minutes was seen to be the sweet spot. 12 minutes, like you said, was actually a little bit too far away. You're probably yeah. getting a little bit too cool. So it backs up, yeah. If it, like, it's interesting that the research has gone further and we've got that. You know, yeah. a good idea or at least some good data as to what that sweet spot is. Um, so when you're when you're 
doing that training yourself or with your clients is that what you're looking to do then you're looking to build like if you hit your top triple and you're doing your back offsets are you having that sort of that sort of rest before you yeah so i think depending on what the priorities of the of of your strength training session depends on like how hard you're pushing that top set so like if you're close to a competition or you're really focusing on like the higher intensity work that top triple might be a little bit harder but at the time like most people now are using that kind of vertical integration model that we spoke a while back ago where you're kind of always doing all the um working the different characteristics of strength so you're always doing some top end strength you're always doing some high repetition stuff all at the same time but each kind of phase of your training might have a different priority so let's say the priority at the time is like you're working on the high rep stuff and you're keeping the top sets of max then a triple up like six or seven rpe and then rest in maybe not a full eight because again like the key is obviously making it work in the real world but maybe if you're trying to be completely optimal eight minutes would be great but let's say five to eight minutes so you're getting as close to that as you can (laughs) exactly is a long session so that's where like you need to add up the pros and cons of it but i think yeah five to eight minutes and then if you're really trying to push the rep work yeah you'd get the benefit from that yeah Um, versus if let's say you did your top triple at nine rp and had three minutes rest you're going to really get diminished results on the on the rep stuff after which long term is going to net you a a negative on your on your strength training it seems to be the over the last few years the most popular way of doing you know getting getting your sets and reps in is is building up to a top top set yeah. a top set then doing your back off work yeah um do you think it's the research that of, of post-activation that's kind of driven driven that i don't think directly but i think it's a core like pulse study because like um so this the study we're talking about with the eight minutes is one that was done on um as a, as a velocity after it so it's the heavy like the traditional mm. post-activation but then there's other ones um where it was done on lifting where it was um a double at 90 percent, which i used that example earlier because it, it's going to be completely different um depending on like a double at 90 percent hard if I did a double at 90%, it's, it's incredibly tough. Um, and then it was set at 70% after it, which again is a lot of reps. So they're quite extremes. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think the top set's in there just to always keep that little bit of exposure to the heavy weights rather than just doing 70% the whole time and may, maybe losing that top end strength. I think originally top sets were in yeah. there to try and get the exposure to both. Yeah. But it's a cool like secondary thing that actually the top set's not going to take anything away from your rep work it can actually enhance it as long as you've been smart with it and not like yeah. overshooting it and negatively affecting then the, the back offsets yeah I wonder if it I wonder if it came from weightlifting a little bit as well because it's always been a popular way again like the old, old Bulgarian methods of like the 80s was daily max like build, yeah. build up to daily max like one set of one you know at, at, your, at your highest load and then do your um, you know five singles or five doubles at 80% after that so yeah. it'd be like build up build up the key like being trying to like minimize the amount of work you're doing and, and with olympic lifting it actually works uh, quite well because the um time under tension with the bar yes. is so minimal so um it's a bit you know it's a bit more margin for error there like you could you can miss a couple or you can you know you can build up a little bit more gradually because you're only doing like singles potentially and or likely you're doing uh, singles and also um because as i say there's not a lot of time under tension with the bar so the fatigue's more minimal even though it's a high highly strong movement in terms of cns exposure but um that's yeah i wonder if like you know i mean things cross over don't they it's interesting i wonder if like powerlifting took a bit from weightlifting there's a couple of very popular you know some people don't like it i know like programming jazz like he doesn't like he doesn't like the to, to work daily maxes um and to be honest with you, I don't use it a lot with weightlifters as well because 
it encourages the lifter to miss a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, if I ever do it, I'll say, right, you're allowed two misses or three misses. And call uh, it a day. Because you get some guys who are like, you know, 10, 15 misses just to get up to an extra couple of kilos. Yeah. And then it's like, that's when the fatigue's coming in. That's yeah. when you're reinforcing bad movement patterns, etc. So mentally as well that's like oh, net negative yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of the uh, a lot of the research on the powerlifting comes from like the the old Russian and Soviet uh, methods from like throwing as well mm. um, yeah, yeah, yeah they're the big ones so when you're talking about this guy like probably some of it might have come throwers from there throwers are arguably well. like the most powerful like athletes out there aren't they yeah. so it's uh, the emergency strategies model which is the you work out how long it takes you to peak you do the same thing over and over again he's very much of, uh, based off the, the, the training of throwers so I imagine yeah. a lot of it is from weightlifters and from throwers for sure. Hundred percent. I know field athletes have taken that like that that approach from from there. Um, and like yeah, it introduced it like obviously common methods in American football and rugby, like contrast, like you know heavy into light. It might not be pure post activation because of the but some again, of the, the principles and stuff there, like yeah. the, the the rest periods being being minimal. But um, it's uh, yeah, it's very com- very commonly used because you think of the. Um, you know, think of those sports that, that require good maximal strength, good power output, good speed. Um, it t- it ticks the boxes really, yeah. and it's really fun to like train that way. Ex- like pre-season exactly like stuff is like my favorite time of the year to train. I'll go off season where it's a little bit more time and attention, yeah. like tissue tolerance building, things like that. You know, that's building, a big thing. Like and then going into that, it's just like that's my favorite time of the year to train. Like it's just fun. Like we're you literally know, like you just said that into with- throw into you know, over speed, you can throw in like banded over speed stuff. You can get really creative with it. And as uh, yeah, as geeks in our field, like that's quite a fun, quite quite a fun thing to do. And then you think of that of like people on like the, the rugby teams that don't really enjoy training, but then if you can make it just a little bit more fun for them. Yeah. Um, especially if there's like a measurable thing, like if you're doing like vertical jumps, but you're trying to, I don't know, aim for a target or you're trying to throw a certain distance. When there's that little thing that can actually make it a little bit more fun, that's massive for getting better outcomes from your training 100% yeah it's just fun isn't it like throwing, yeah. <laughs> throwing things and jumping yeah. and because they, they might hate the lifting like but if you say you've got to do three reps of a heavy squat and then you're going to do yeah. a vertical jump that's a bit more fun yeah. for them and well, going off topic slightly but like Ben Johnson um, was a yeah Canadian sprinter from the late 80s he was one of the first sort of popularised experiments of it as well where he'd do like um, he'd do like a three rep max back squat he'd work up to a three RM um, and then like sprint after that and uh, like even to this day he's the fastest guy ever out of the blocks like his, his reaction time like you know obviously there's other components to that rather than just that kind of training but it was really like really interesting it would literally like the side of the track have a rack set up and he had like an insane squat like it was just really, like, really, like pretty much elite powerlifting standard like yeah, in terms yeah. of his numbers and then like would would rest. I don't know what his rest periods were, but he would then go and sprint. And um, yeah, that's just cool. Isn't it? That's Very awesome. cool. I was going to ask you that actually, because you said about like uh, at the start with the pulse activation, you want to kind of mimic the movement patterns for sprinting. Obviously, squats a little bit more vertical. Sprinting yeah, could be exactly. touched. Would you rather yeah. go deadlift? Yeah, yeah. deadlift. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was the question. Yeah, deadlift, hundred percent. And I know um, in in America a lot. There's some teams out there. I think like Oregon and like a couple others that like use there's one guy out there who's a real component of it I can't remember his name but um, like he basically gets it yeah gets his guys doing like heavy deadlifts yeah. into their sprint work so yeah yeah there'd be some benefits obviously doing the squat 
some massive benefits, but like, yeah, if we're talking about like specificity, then we want a bit more horizontal. Yeah, sprinting's horizontal, isn't it? So, would it work with um, just just thinking out loud? It obviously, it's not quite the same, but just just exploring. If you were to do like let's say like a heavy maximal like five meter sledge sprint, rest a couple of minutes, and then into like a, a max effort sprint, do you think that would work, or do you think it would be better to stick to like the deadlift into? There's been like how specific of it do you think it has to be? Yeah, that that'd be an interesting thing to look into is New Masters. Specific, spe- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Specificity versus load. Yeah. I guess that would come into, wouldn't it? Um but like for sure I'd be shocked if you weren't getting differences. And I've used that kind of training myself where we do um basically I do not prowler, but I do resisted sprints. Yeah. Into into uh, into sprints. Um and uh I'm not recording data when I'm when I'm doing those, to be honest, because um, it's just not practical. But I definitely feel faster, for sure. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, I, you know, I've done it the last couple of summers. Yeah. So I do, you know, twenty meters with uh, with a sledge. Uh, percentages uh, vary in terms of the load that I'm using, and then resting a few minutes, and then into uh, into into a sprint. But again, you have to take practical. Like I was saying, eight minutes is the sweet spot. That's a bloody long session, man. Yeah. Like, that's a that's a split. That's a you know you're doing your sprints in the morning and your weights in the yeah, evening. Yeah, yeah. And, and then the question is, is, is that is that, that going to work? Is that going to work? Because yeah. you know you said like early resting a little bit longer. Is that actually going to be a benefit? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we know we're sprinting. Like you know, rest is obviously essential. We need to rest a good amount of time. It's one of the most common mistakes with sprint training with field athletes specifically is they don't rest. You know, get in yeah. rugby clubs where it's like right sprint. Yeah, and it's like. 20 seconds later, right, sprint. And it's like, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. well, we're not really getting faster, are we? Um, yeah. There's not to say there's not a... Gas them out, baby. Not a, you know, there's not a... Uh, you know, there's some positives, obviously, coming do from you know, gases, Do you know what would be a, a cool way to kind of set that up? And I've, I've been doing it a little bit in the Metcon classes, is because you need the rest after. So you could do like heavy sledge sprint, station one. Station two, some kind of upper body, light exercise or heavy exercise. Station three, then you sprint. So rather than just resting for four minutes, you would go and do like your upper body, mm. and then you could go into sprint after. It's something I've been playing around with. I can't try. I haven't got any data to track it, but I really like doing like um, in the metcons on a Tuesday, doing like a heavy sprint, and then your second lower body exercise would be like just a normal kind of sprint with like a like chopping a turn or even a down and up in and there. You mix it. You, you so you split, go in. You, you split it with an upper. No, so like you got let's say four stations. Station A, heavy sledge sprint. Station two, I don't know, fucking ski erg or ball slam station three max effort like sprinting mm. shuttles um, so you've got that four minute rest in between but you've not just done nothing because you've got to maximise the time that you're in it so it gives you a chance to get some extra work in but you still might get the benefit then from the heavy to the light yeah 100% um, I think the whole thing is like you know how particular you know it's, it's the balance between like absolute perfection of training and logistics and we've just said about that Big, big gun big, for uh, <laughs> yeah he's wasn't optimal but he's obviously a world class athlete and he's probably getting a lot of benefit out of it yeah 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 and it's like if you've got an hour to train are you really going to wait eight minutes to try and get an extra couple of percent yeah, you on your sprint versus you, you might get a little bit more from doing it anyway but like you know the you rest eight minutes you, you gain a couple of percent but you lose out on a, a one or two extra sprints that you might have done with the extra times and you've got to add all that up and then figure out what's best for you yeah, a session's so long you get hungry you got to eat. You got to eat. You got to rest. Yeah. What do you think about um, Pap for any upper body stuff? Because I've seen you doing yeah. French contrast with like I don't know, yeah. like, uh, military press into a ball throw or. Yeah. I love it in terms of how fun it is. Like it's just amazing. Um, 
and I've seen you doing the old uh, plows and adventures yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, enjoy yeah. that. Yeah, I think it works well. Like again, like you know, using it, using myself. Like you know, if you're not necessarily like recording data, but like you're feeling fast, you're feeling strong, you're getting good work in. Like you know, if I do a heavy bench into a plyo press up, I feel a lot better yeah. doing that than going straight. You know, just straight raw into a, a plyo press up for sure. Um, so you know, I think it works well. I think it's a good way of again getting a variety of components done in your training um, you know you're doing horizontal work you're doing like bench press into you, you know I've even, I've even done it before where it's like um, what do you call it like oh, it's Bulgarian complex training or something like it's always Bulgarian isn't it? but it's like you know a heavy bench into like banded speed bench into med ball throw into plyo press up so it's like going through the whole chain yeah, basically yeah. it's going through like you know heavy work into lighter work gradually so the loads are getting less but the speed is increasing yeah. throughout and again like it's hard to get it optimal because of rest again and things like that you know by the time you get to the argument is by the time you get to your plyo press ups you're a bit you're a bit tired Not but if you're doing low reps if you're doing like you know double or triple on, on bench uh, you know really on the on the you know chains or banded speed work you need to be doing doubles really anyway I think this is the key is you, you need to think about what you're trying to because a lot of times people are going to do the chain and they're just trying to fatigue themselves with the extra reps well the, six be- reps the benefit isn't gained from doing the extra reps the benefit is from keeping the output as high as you can and I think that's the big thing that came from the, the last study which prompted us to do this chat like the one study on the bench press pulse activation um, showed there was no increase from it but the the protocol was free freeze at eighty five percent, which is nine reps, man. That's at a lot of work, fairly hard. That's a lot of work. Eighty five for free freeze is a normal workout. Like, yeah. if you said to me today's bench session is eighty five percent free freeze, you'd be like, okay, that's a normal workout. Yeah. And then you've got to do your am reps at sixty percent after. Like, that's a hard session. That, that's where. That's where. Yeah, it's like the idea is right, but the execution isn't. The execution's perfect, wrong yeah. because, like you say, you're doing nine reps at a very high percentage. Nine reps doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. Yes. Like at those percentages, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. Eighty-five percent. Then you're people going, are getting what seven reps. So you're working yeah. at six by the last set, seven-ish RP. Yeah. Then to go into like volume work, it's tough. whereas what you want to be doing is you want to be going like that eighty-five percent work, but like doing one set with intent, with intent, and then contrasting into yeah. the not back off volume type work, but like you know speed work or something like that or it, or it could be volume work I think it was um, an old bodybuilder called Vince Garonda I think who used to do like single into is it Vince Garonda have I said that right you're just making me like, do you know like when you Re- talk to your granddad like back in the day yeah, 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 Gun- yeah. Gunther used to do maybe you've heard of any of these people but like um, yeah do like single into six single into yeah. six single into six um, which is a way of doing the top set work and the volume work if you're looking for top set strength stimulus and volume work that was a different way of doing it then three threes 85 percent and then you're back off so it was like i'm going to do single i'm going to do a six i'm going to do a single i'm going to do a six i like even done in a way where it's like the singles are 75 percent then the six is at like 60 percent but then the next set the singles are 80 percent and you and Mm. like you do it like that where each time the the, the, yeah, the single yeah, yeah. goes up um, you know and again like you know great way of training maybe like again you've got to take fatigue into into account but from a like 
you know, speed, power type perspective, doing like the one triple on bench press, then into your speed work. Yeah. And when you do your speed work, you know, two or three reps, fast, powerful. Output focus rather yeah. than fatigue focus. Output, exactly, yeah. Focus on output. And then, you know, I think a lot of people would be scared that that's not enough volume. But if you add that, if you're doing five rounds of that, by the end of the session, you've done a lot of volume. You've done a, you've, you've you've done a lot of volume. Tonnage. So if we're talking about like, you know, hypertrophy st- stimulus, like you're yeah. getting that as well. That, that's one of the reasons I like that's that sort of, you know, contrast or like complex, like Bulgarian complex stuff where it's like, you know, it's... Almost the best actually, of both, isn't you're getting it? Yeah. Everything. I love it. It's like you're getting the strength, getting the speed, you're getting the, the in between. Yeah. You're working skill, you're working specificity, and you're doing volume. Yeah. Like you're doing a lot of volume, man. Like well, by the end of the session. It's interesting because, like you said then, about like how you'd go from your strength to your speed. Like obviously, that's the traditional way of doing PAP, but now, like when they're trying to think about it, about applying it to like the modern day powerlifter, they're looking at reps at 70%, which is pretty much what you'd be averaging on hypertrophy. Um, and they're finding that that top set then does improve your rep performance at 70%. So like, yeah. as well as increasing that top end speed, it is improving your rep performance. Like that one study that was the squat, uh, it was like a 29% increase, which is huge. It's like an extra, what, three reps maybe, yeah. four reps. And yeah. over time, that's really adding up. Um, so yeah, like I think it's, 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 it's applicable to pretty much everyone, which is why like we wanted to talk about it because it's, it's great for your field team. It's great for your powerlifters. It's great for your weightlifters. There's not really anyone that might not be able to do it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's something that we should all be striving to include in your training, or at least experiment with. With um, the with the with the strength and speed aspect of it as well, coming from like a field perspective, is a great way to start getting like your high days, low days. Like a lot mm. of people make the mistake of doing, you know, heavy lifting session on Monday, and then Tuesday might be like a plyometric day, and it's like you're trying to do like, you know, high output stuff. Two days, two days in, a, in row. a row whereas really what you can do is do you know you get your strength and your plyo in the same session yeah. your next session's accessory work single leg work yeah. bodybuilding whatever you want it to be um, or rest day and then you work it like that so you have like a high day where it's like high intensity high stimulus high speed and then your next day is more of your you know accessory so like a day, a day one might be um, you know contrast between like back squat vertical jump um, you know, bench press and plyo press up, and you sprint and you're doing sprints, you know, as well. Mm. That'd be like your high day, and then your low day the next day might be, you know, a bit more moderate intensity, you know, some more volume work, but like single leg, maybe like, you know, um, lower loads, and doing it that way works really well. Decent. So in terms of like practical applications, like where obviously the big research that we just talked about was like individualizing it to make sure that top set's not too fatiguing and all the research shows that if you do a little bit too much work for that first exercise, it's going to take too much away from the reps or from the speed work. So where's like a, a good starting point for people that were looking to maybe try doing some PAP? Yeah. If you can give a couple of guidance for like field sports, I'll maybe give some for... Yeah, 100%. I think like with field sports, you can go down, you know, rabbit hole of French contrast training, Bulgaria, like doing three, four, five, six exercises. I'd focus on just two exercises, you know, for each for each body part. So I'd look at, you know, if you're training full body, for example, um, then your session might look something like squat um, into box jump, you know, uh, using those as exercises. Um, then you might be doing like RDL into broad jump, and would uh, so you be going I'd, I'd rest in between them? Or? Yeah, re- like rest, you know, rest in between. So, um, you know, let's say, okay, again, you're trying to be, you're trying to be practical. So, 
you know, you'd be having uh, a little bit of rest. Even, a couple honest, of minutes, even, maybe? Yeah, yeah, at most, like a minute to two minutes. I mean, you've got to be realistic. Keep it low volume. You've got to be realistic. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's if it's if this is new for you, you're going to get some good stimulus yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, you know, you have to be practical. Um, I think unless you're lifting like ridiculous limits, weights as well. Exactly. Like, it's like most not gonna be guys too. aren't going to be lifting that much, really, realistically. So, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say like, right, you're going to do your, yeah, um, let's say heavy back squat into vertical jump with a minute rest in between. So you do like, you know, three reps on the back squat, start off 75, 80%. Do you think it'd be better with that to... Like, you could do back squat, heavy, rest like two, three minutes, then do your plyo exercise, then have like minimal rest, and then go back into the back squat. Yeah, that could work as well, to be honest, yeah. Because um, that jump's not going to take get, away you from get, the... Yeah, you get a better, you get a better uh, pap stimulus from that. <laughs> better um, pap? Better pap. Um, and, and you still get the rest, you're still not going to yeah, take yeah, anything Yeah, 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 no, that works, that works. Um and then yeah, you might do RDL into broad jump, and you might do bench press into plyo press up. But the key That'd is not good. to do these sets to fatigue. Exactly, is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, exactly. I like keep it, you know, keeping the, keeping the volume pretty low. Um, as soon as the speed starts to drop off. Exactly, yeah. And then the days in between, you can do more of your accessory work, more of it, more of your volume work, volume cool. work. So. I think that's a good basic way yeah. to start. I think if you're just doing strength training but want to start looking around at these top sets and how you can benefit it, like I said, there's times and place to push the top sets, but if you're trying to push the rep work as much as you can, you know, if you've got a velocity tracker, you want to stop like the velocity dropping by more than like 10%, um, which most people might lift at like 0.4 or 0.35, so you want to see that 10% drop down. Not everyone's got a velocity tracker, but then just yeah, making sure that you're working at fairly low RPEs. And if you start to feel like the reps are slowing down, I'd probably stop your top sets there. Have a few minutes of rest like you normally would do, and then get into your rep work. So I think 85% for free is probably the higher end of what you want to be doing. Yeah. Like 80 to 85% for like three, three or four reps, probably no more than 40 minutes. I'll probably stick to three, and then into your rep work after it around that 70, 75%, and you'll probably notice that you feel better for doing it than, than not doing it. Yeah. Um, you still might get benefit from pushing the fatigue a little bit higher on that top set, but if you were looking purely at the pure model of trying to get the most out of your pap, then keep the reps lower. But if you're still trying to get stronger at both, then just make sure you're resting in between and not taking it past like a, a seven RPE or, or an eight RPE, and then you should be able to still get that good benefit on the rep stuff. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's a, a good overview, and I think we're happy there. If I you're so. happy, I think so. Yeah, definitely. Um, if anyone's obviously interested in that type of training and has any questions, then you know, feel free to you know drop us a drop us a message or come in and, and chat to us. And um, I'm sure we'll be able to get into you know happy to get into some more depth with it. But mm-hmm. uh, I think yeah, it's probably a good overview for people. And yeah, as I say, give it give it a go. It's also good for the guys that already do it, like in the barbell clubs and stuff, to see like why we're doing those top sets and why they sure. shouldn't be grinding out reps every single week and how like, you know, that extra 10, 20% of extra volume really adds up over time and that can be the difference between like those long-term games and that. So hopefully that gives you a good understanding of like why we're not maxing out every single week as well on your top sets. Yeah, 100%. And for the field guys, if they're looking at like trying to get the plyos in, trying to get the strength in, trying to get the bodybuilding in, hopefully that just gives you some structure of how to do it. So. Yeah. Get your, get, your, get your almost performance stuff if you like your strength speed stuff done on one day yeah. do your accessories on a, on a on another day high days that are going to be high you know high load high speed high power high intent high output basically um, and then your days in between no more plyos to failure oh. no more plyo press ups to I can't do anymore performance over fatigue thank you thank you